today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Oh, so you're met with some opposition, some antagonism, some resistance, even some hurtful words from those who don't want to hear it. What are you going to do? You're going to push back or pull back? You're going to hold back or you're going to kind of, well, hey, I just don't want to, I don't want to rock the boat. Yes, you do. I don't want to create any waves. Yes, you do. I don't want to, you know, cause any problems. Actually, yes, you do. When you, as a believer, share the good news of Christ, many that you share it with will reject the message of truth. But as Pastor J.D. teaches today, don't be discouraged. Don't allow the reactions of others to dissuade you. Continue to share all the more urgently because the end is coming and the eternal life of those around you is on the line. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Today we are in 2 Timothy, we, and we'll pick it up in chapter 4, and our text is going to be verses 1 through 5. We'll invite you at this time to turn there if you're not there already. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. The Apostle Paul in verse 1, by the Holy Spirit writing to Timothy, says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared, in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come, verse 3, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. So, I want to talk with you about the difficulties that we as Christians face in the world today concerning those who just don't want to hear it. And they don't want to hear it because they don't have ears to hear. Please know, and God knows my heart when I say this, that it's with a very heavy heart, even a very broken heart, that I teach 
and preach this prophetic passage of Scripture. Again, one that I was anticipating, looking forward to, spent a lot of time in prayer in anticipation of it because of what's here in it. And the reason being is that what's in this passage is exactly what is happening today. I do not know if it's possible to have a more apt description of the condition of the church than the condition of the church in these last days. Now, again, I want to I want to encourage you. Some of you are looking at me like you might want to start by encouraging yourself. Okay. <laughs> but we need not be discouraged or despair. And this for a number of reasons. The first of which is, this is why we have a passage like this in God's Word. This is why God deemed it necessary to inspire the Apostle Paul to write this to Timothy. It was to, again, ready him and steady him then, as it is to ready us and steady us now. Timothy, my son, whom I love so much as a son, my son in the faith, I love you so much. I need to tell you what's coming, because you're not going to have me around much longer. Here's what's coming. Here's what you're, what you're going to deal with. Here's what you're going to be faced with. I want you to know this, that the time is coming when people won't put up with sound teaching. They won't put up with sound preaching. But you, Timothy, you know what's coming. I'm warning you, this is what's coming. And I don't want you to be discouraged by it. I don't want you to be derailed because of it. I want you to be ready for it. That's what this is about. And that's why we have it in our Bibles. We have that which we need in order to remain steadfast in the face of all that's taking place. And I don't think you have to be the sharpest knife in the kitchen drawer, as the saying goes, to realize what is taking place today. What we have here in our text today is an exhortation. And, interesting, a charge to strengthen our resolve lest we falter and cower when confronted with those who don't want to hear it. Even as I say that, I know that people come to mind that don't want to hear it anymore. Oh my goodness, you try to post something on social media, they unfriend you. They block you, oh, but not before responding with a post against you. Don't be surprised. We'll talk about it here in a moment. Jesus said, the world's going to hate you. In fact, beware when all men speak well of you. 
You know you've got a problem. You should worry when the enemy leaves you alone. In fact, you should really worry when the enemy sends you a thank you card and your wife a bouquet of flowers and a gift card enclosed. You know, thank you, keep up the good work. You pose absolutely no threat to the kingdom of darkness. That's when you need to worry. But they don't want to hear it. And they're going to let you know they don't want to hear it. And please know that I understand that. And I know what that feels like. I know what that is like. But what we have here before us and for us are these exhortations. I found three. You might find more. But three that can and will protect and direct us as we face this. And we're facing this. And, spoiler alert, it's going to get worse. I hate to say it, but I have to say it. It's going to get worse. And it's yet another marker, like we need more, that we're in the last days. Here's the first one. It's in verses 1 and 2. Don't stop because of it. I want to first draw your attention to two specific words. The first of which is the word charge, interesting word, and the second word which is the word season. First the word charge. In the original language it carries with it the idea of testifying under oath. And this word season in the original language carries with it the idea of convenience. So now let's kind of put this together. You know what Paul's saying here? He's saying that this is an oath, as it were, to preach the word, whether it's convenient and popular or not. Oh, so you're met with some opposition, some antagonism, some resistance, even some hurtful words from those who don't want to hear it. What are you going to do? You're going to push back or pull back? You're going to hold back or you're going to kind of, well, hey, I just don't want to, I don't want to rock the boat. Yes, you do. I don't want to create any waves. Yes, you do. I don't want to, you know, cause any problems. Actually, yes, you do. Because here's the truth. It is better to offend them into heaven than it is to flatter them into hell. And this is what I mean by this strengthened resolve to not only not stop, but to press on even more. After Paul tells Timothy what to do, he then tells him how to do it. Namely, patiently and carefully. In other words, and we saw this last week at the end of chapter 3, the four legs on the table upon which we stand, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and instructing, are all to be done with a gentle spirit, in love, very carefully, prayerfully, 
and especially patiently. <laughs> I pray, I ask the Lord, Lord, I, well, like you, I'm probably no different. And, um, but I'll just use myself as the poster child and take one for the team here on this example. <laughs> I, I always pray for patience, because that's a, that's a struggle for me, because I'm very impatient. I know you know nothing of this. Again, I'm speaking <laughs> about my own struggles, but it does require patience. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, listen, when you've got somebody in your life that doesn't want to hear it, you need to be very patient with them. Be very patient with them. One of the things that should settle your heart concerning them is that God wants them right with Him more than even you want them right with Him. Think about that. You know, I think about John Mark. Very interesting. You remember that... uh, Sharp dispute is actually what uh, Acts refers to it, between Paul and Barnabas. It was over Mark. Mark bailed on them on that missionary journey, and Paul was not too happy. In fact, it was because of that that Paul and Barnabas split up. They basically split and went separate ways over Mark. But you know what's interesting? We're going to see this here in chapter 4, at the end of this last letter that the Apostle Paul writes, where he brings up the name John Mark again. Only this time it is with affection and endearment. Here's the John Mark that God, by the Holy Spirit, inspired to write the gospel of Mark. No, come on, it's got to be a different Mark. No, same guy. You mean the guy that bailed on Paul and Barnabas? Yeah, that guy. (laughs) No, yeah. And here Paul, at the end of his life, freezing in that dungeon of a prison, waiting his execution, and he knew it. And who does he call for? Mark. Really? Oh. Sounds like um, over the years, the Apostle Paul patiently, graciously prayed for and didn't give up on John Mark. You know where I'm going with this, right? You've got a John Mark in your life. Never give up on him. Yeah, but they don't want to hear it. You should hear the things they say about me and even to me. And of course, behind my back. It's even worse behind the back, right? Yeah, I know. Don't give up. In fact, let me encourage you this way. I would actually prefer that somebody just, I mean, become incensed with me. That means something's happening. You ever heard that saying that when you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the dog that barks the loudest is the dog that got hit the hardest? Yeah. Right? Listen, if you got a better one, let me know afterwards. That's, that's all I got for now. I'm certainly not calling your John Mark dogs, but you know, you get the point. Patience. Be gentle. 
So not only does Paul tell Timothy what to do and how to do it, he also tells him why. Notice in verse 1, he says that the reason why Paul is to preach the word, unwavering, unflinching, strengthened in his resolve, is because the Lord, who will judge the living and the dead, is coming. Hang on to that. We're going to come back to that. That's the why behind the what and the how. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, this is what I want you to do, this is how I want you to do it, and this is why I want you to do it. That's just the first two verses. It gets worse. (laughs) Second one is in verses 3 and 4. In addition to not stopping because of it, don't be surprised by it. This is one of those places in God's Word where I think we do well to ask the question of, why is it that we have this in our Bibles? I believe that one of the main reasons is that when it happens, not if, when this happens, and it's happening, that we're not derailed by it, not surprised by it. We're actually ready for it in anticipation of it. I mean, if you think about it, if if you didn't have this warning in advance, how hard is that going to be when, not if it happens? I'll take it a step further and suggest that not only is this here so we won't be surprised, It's also here as a prophetic sign of the last days prior to the rapture. Kind of a twofold purpose. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the most stunning contrasts in this regard, my answer would be that of the last days church in Philadelphia and the church of the Laodiceans. I'm saying it that way for a reason. I'll explain here in just a moment. So you have seven churches. These are literal churches. And Jesus has John from the island of Patmos write seven letters that were mailed to these seven physical churches at the time known as Asia Minor, most believe in about the year 95 AD. We know it today as modern day Turkey. You can actually visit the uh, ruins of these cities there in Turkey. I wouldn't recommend traveling there at this time anyway, but um, seven churches. And there were only two of the seven churches for which there was no rebuke from Jesus. In fact, instead of a rebuke, there was an encouragement, an exhortation again, and just to hang on (laughs) not much longer. And those two churches were the church of Smyrna, we affectionately refer to as the persecuted church, and the church of Philadelphia, we again affectionately refer to as the remnant church. But 
After the church of Philadelphia, there's the seventh church, and it's the last church, seven being the number of completion. And it's this church in this city of Laodicea. And what's so interesting is that when John is told to write these letters, the first six letters he writes to the angel of the church in Ephesus, in Smyrna, in Sardis, in Thyatira, in Pergamum, in Philadelphia. But then when he gets to the church in Laodicea, he doesn't say the church in Laodicea. He says, write to the church of the Laodiceans. Why? Because it's not my church anymore. This is the church that I'm standing on the outside of, knocking on the door to come back in. I'm not even in that church anymore. And by the way, the name is the nature. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere with this. Very important. The name is the nature. See, Laodicea is a combination of two words in the English where we get laity and diocese, or laity decide, or laity rule. The laity were calling the shots. The Lord was no longer <laughs> in charge. The Lord was no longer even in the church, ruling over the church. They were in His place. That's why He says right to the church of the Laodiceans. And the contrast between the church of Philadelphia and the church of Laodicea is stark, and that's an understatement. And here's why. To the church in Philadelphia, Jesus has John commend them in Revelation 3, verses 8 and 10, writing, I know your works, See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength. I know you're just hanging on by a thread. You have kept my word, preached my word, and have not denied my name. You know what the inference is here? This infers, this implies that there were those who had, had what? Not kept his word, had denied his name, were no longer preaching the word. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you haven't yet found a church home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. A church family can be a source of support, comfort, and most importantly, faithful prayer warriors. Paul wrote the book of 2 Timothy with this in mind. He knew how important it was to have the support and prayers of other believers in Christ. Church is also a place you can serve and encourage others, too. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, 
in spiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast prophecy updates and an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there. This is a great tool to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. Again, that website is inspiritandtruthradio.com. As we continue to study wisdom from the book of 2 Timothy with Pastor J.D., we hope you've been encouraged to live out your faith in a new way. The Bible holds information, encouragement, and instruction that will be beneficial to you on your faith journey. So keep diving in. Well, that's all we have time for today, but be sure to join us next time for more from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth. 